Hey tennis fans and welcome to another edition of Matchpoint Canada. I'm Ben Lewis, joined alongside Mike McIntyre. You can follow us on Twitter at Matchpoint Can. We're on Instagram as well at Matchpoint Canada. We're the official podcast of Tennis Canada and also members of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. And Mike, for the latest episode here, I didn't have the fortune of speaking with him, though we have together in the past, but another premier Canadian, uh, probably, you know, one of our top and top end talents in the game right now in, in Canada. And he's just about to turn 20 in, in less than a week, Felix Auger-Aliassime. Yeah, really excited to have Felix back on the podcast with us. And uh, I want to say this is the third time now that we've spoken with him, and uh, that's over the past 12 months. And, you know, forget the improvements on the court that we saw 2019, early 2020. But to me, what really strikes me just in speaking with him and, you know, kind of getting to know him a little bit in our, in our you know, the course of our interviews, is just the rise in maturity and poise that, that he's shown and, and his answers and the depth of his answers. And I feel like he's really coming into his own. And, and as you mentioned, he's, he's only turning 20. Uh, this coming week, August 8th, that big birthday he shares with none other than Roger Federer, but uh, so impressed with speaking with him and just um, the maturity and and his answers. And we got some really great stuff. And uh, it was a shame that, that you weren't there, although I think you've spoken with him once on your own before, perhaps. And uh, well, you had a good excuse. You were on the tennis court teaching lessons. So any tennis reasons for missing an interview? We, uh, we understand those, I guess. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, and I, I was thinking back to the way Felix Ojeleasim was actually playing this calendar year in 2020 uh, before everything was halted. And uh, we were just leading into Indian Wells. And, of course, uh, you, you went back to 2019. And you look at that stretch, Indian Wells, Miami. And that's where both Felix and Dennis together uh, made such a great push, each of them making semifinals of Masters 1000 runs, that memorable match that Felix played with John Isner. Um, and I really felt like he was kind of laying some great building blocks towards the Masters. 1000s in February you look at he made finals if I recall in Rotterdam then he went over to Montpellier uh, sorry Mar Marseille in France and made a final there lost to Stefano Tsitsipas so he was making these solid deep consistent runs at the ATP 250s and, and you just felt like uh, he was building steadily towards his very very best tennis which certainly would have boded well I, I think in a Masters 1000 slam um, given I think his athleticism and being at such a young age I, I don't think he's going to have any trouble picking up where he left off when, when we do get back and return um, but you, you covered a lot of ground I think in this interview as you said uh, he comes across as, as so mature just a great head on his shoulders um, touches on that relationship with Denis Shapovalov kind of the two of them put Pushing one another, you know, I'll let the interview speak for themselves, speak for itself. And uh, also just touching on his mentality on the tennis court and making that transition to, to a professional player. And, and right now, I think almost turning 20, he, he really feels like that, that true professional on the ATP circuit. And of all the players um, that I'm looking forward to seeing resume the tennis season, and I don't just mean Canadians, but on the men's side of things, Felix is definitely at the top for me because of the progress he's made year to year since turning pro. I mean, if you look back to 2017, uh, you know, he started that year making finals and winning at future events. And then as the year progressed, making finals and winning at the challengers. And then at the end of 2017, where he had just turned 17 years old, he's already inside, almost inside the top 150 in the game. And then 2018, 
Again, he's making progress. He beats Vashik in straights and Indian Wells in 2018 after qualifying. He beats uh, Pui in round one of the Rogers Cup, for those of us here in Toronto, then loses a very close three-setter to Daniil Medvedev in a third-set tie-break. And, of course, the U.S. Open that year had to retire against Dennis in a close match at the U.S. Open with those heart issues that were so concerning at the time. And then 2019, so just a year ago, he makes those three finals, including one on grass courts, showing you know his prowess on all surfaces, makes it to the semis in Miami, as you mentioned, losing to Isner in two tie-breaks, beats players like CeCe Pass. Um, and even though he ended the year in a bit of a slump, uh, there was so much promise that he carried forward in 2020 at the start of this year with those finals you mentioned. So uh, he was a player that very excited to see what that next jump would be. And if it continued, you'd have to think we'd see it at the slam level. And well, here we are less than a month away now, hopefully from the first uh, Grand Slam since resuming play at the U.S. Open. And I think, I don't know about you, but if it's between rookies or veterans, I think rookies may have, or, or younger players may have a bit of an edge coming back from a break, uh, not having so many seasons under their belt of, of expecting to peak and, and reach certain you know, uh, areas of their game at certain points of the season. I think rookies, and we're seeing it a bit in the NHL playoffs right now in hockey, are, are just ready to go and it doesn't matter to them and they're more adaptable perhaps. And if that's the case, look out for a guy like Felix Ogialiasim at, uh, at the U.S. Open. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I agree with you. Uh, obviously, that remains to be seen. Whether it is the rookies versus the veterans who's ultimately prevailing when we're back with uh, live tennis, say at Slam level, uh, we are back with live tennis on the WTA. But uh, without further ado, we'll get to your interview right now with uh, Canadian Felix Oje Aliasim. Very pleased to welcome back a guest we've previously had on the podcast and someone whose young career has already achieved so much. His junior career was stellar, including a Davis Cup title for Canada, U.S. Open singles and doubles trophies. And now still only 19 years old, he's already achieved so much, a career high ranking of number 17 on the ATP Tour. He's a Davis Cup finalist, and uh, that was a memorable run last fall. Here's a player we're all very excited to continue to watch, Felix Auger Aliasim. Uh, bienvenue à Matchpoint Canada. Thank you for joining Thank us. Thank you. Merci. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Your, your last competitive match, it's hard to believe, I was looking up the date, was at the end of February. And uh, real tennis is now just a few weeks away. How anxious yeah. and, and how excited are you about getting back to playing? Yeah. I'm excited for sure. Uh, but at the same time, we kind of got used to this rhythm of like not playing tournaments, training a lot. So I think that in the weeks to come, it's really going to get the challenge. The challenge is to get your mindset back to where it was, you know, when we started the year and where, where it is normally into a competitive mode, you know, not a like training mode and neutral mode, more like, you know, competitive and instinctive. So, um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, when I see the tournaments coming up again, I'm happy because, uh, I mean, that's what you train for. Uh, you want to test yourself. You want to challenge yourself to the best in the world. And, um, you know, that's, that's what I love to do, and that's what I'm here to do. So, um, no, I'm looking forward to, uh, to the return of uh, competitive tennis. And, uh, you know, we saw the sports coming back as hockey and NBA and other sports. So I'm happy that tennis is, um, is on the verge of coming back as well. Yeah, so are we, absolutely. Now, even for those of us who are not high-performance athletes, we've had some emotional ups and downs over the last few months. What's been the toughest part for mm -hmm. you just of life during quarantine? And uh, is there anything new that you've tried during this time as well, personally speaking, outside of tennis? Yeah. 
Well, it was such a, I feel like there was different periods for me. There was this period where in March and April, I was in, in Canada, I was in Montreal at my, you know, family place. And I was kind of just, you know, training a little bit at home, keeping up with my routine. But I was doing, you know, I was reading and I was doing some piano and uh, I was uh, taking my, my driver's license uh, lessons and everything. So, yeah, I was, keep, I was keeping busy with a lot of things. And then once I left to, to France uh, in May, I, you know, came back to the south of France. Uh, then I was training a lot. Uh, I wasn't doing much else than training. So, um, yeah, there was kind of different periods. Then I had a little vacation also uh, for two weeks. But uh, I've been fine, to be honest. Uh, obviously, it's challenging for everyone, but I think I'm in a good place. Uh, I think, you know, athletes, players, I think we're lucky uh, to be in a place where, you know, we can at least, okay, maybe we're not playing tournaments, but we keep training. And, um, I mean, I'm healthy. All my family's healthy. No one I know has gotten the, the virus. So uh, I'm in a good place for that. And uh, as much as it's challenging, it's also been a good period for me to, to spend some time with my family, uh, stay in the same place also for a longer time. Uh, I'm not used to that. So, uh, uh, I mean, I saw some positive in that period as well. Have you had time to mentally prepare for the big birthday that you have coming up? We see that you're turning 20 years old in just over a week's time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in a week, I'll be turning 20. Uh, yeah, obviously now I see it coming, but I haven't planned much. Um, you know, I'll be with my, 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 my coach, my girlfriend, but, uh, I'll see what I'll see what I do. I mean, I'm not sure. Nothing, nothing crazy. I mean, it's not like you can throw any big parties at the moment. So uh, gonna be good. Uh, just a good restaurant, uh, some good time with my closest. But um, I don't think I'm gonna, you know, throw any big party. But uh, for sure, it's a, it's a big moment. You know, teenager days are are over. So <laughs> it's a big step. <laughs> I just turned forty, so uh, you know, the older you get, the less yeah. you want to celebrate them. But uh... Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, even though you've been on the radar for tennis fans for quite a while, and, and not just here in Canada, your professional career is still really just getting going. Um, from traveling the world to having yeah. more media and fan attention, uh, has being a professional tennis player been what you hoped it would be at this point? It's, it, yeah, it's, 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 it's funny because as a kid, you don't really know what to expect. You, you, you see what you, what you see on TV. It's just, you know, you see the matches, you see the competition, uh, you see the fans, uh, you see the money also that the players make, but you don't see like everything that's behind, you know, you don't see all the work, uh, the travel, you don't see, you know, the pressure, the stress before the matches. So this is kind of more the hidden side. So I, I my answer to that would be, um, you know, it's, it was even better than I expected. You know, all these emotions playing in front of, um, you know, thousands of people in big stadiums. This is, was, you know, bigger than what I ever expected. At the same time, uh, um, I think, you know, I, I just normal in any, any, any job. Um, I, you know, as a kid or before you, you, would, you didn't really know what to expect. And uh, now I know that, you know, to keep up that and to get big, better in, in, that, uh, in that job is... Uh, very challenging and then now I face this reality and it's uh it's a good challenge that I'm facing but um it's it's to expect as a kid I'm happy to hear that um at the start of the uh the hiatus from tennis we were enjoying your Instagram live chats with Milos Raonic in particular we had a couple of our listeners mm -hmm. uh shout out to Melissa who said she really enjoyed those uh have you had much time to keep in touch with your fellow Canadian tennis players during this time 
Uh, we kept in touch uh, at the start, I would say. Uh, you know, in March and April, in April, we were keeping in touch. And then uh, pff, not as much, to be honest. I think we, you know, we got into, into our routines and then we got our respective things going, our family things, our teams. And uh, we're, you know, in much different places. Uh, but yeah, we keep in touch sometimes, but it's not like... Uh, I've been keeping in touch uh, with my, my teammates and uh, fellow Canadians uh, uh, that much, as much as I would normally do. Um, but I'm always excited to, you know, to see my, my, my peers and to see, um, to see them back in, in tournaments. So um, that's going to be also a good side from coming back to competitive uh, sport is, uh, you know, seeing everybody again. It'll be like a big family reunion in, in some ways. Yeah. Like a competitive yeah, reunion. For sure. No, you feel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're about to step back out there with uh, UTS, Ultimate Tennis uh, Showdown, with yeah. Maradoglu, who we spoke to recently. It's a really cool format, some neat things that he's trying to uh, bring new fans to the sport of tennis. What are your thoughts mm -hmm. on the, the change of style and, and what are you expecting uh, from this challenge next week? It's, I think it's a good time to, to try things like this. You know, uh, you got to be innovative, you got to try new things in the spirit, uh, you got to try to make tennis as interesting as it is live but only, only on tv now uh with you know new things and i think to have a new approach maybe will bring new fans interested into the game and that can be an upside and uh, in terms of the rules i'm i'm always up to to try new things see how i can uh do if i can play well uh, with these new uh new rules in this competition um but yeah it's um i've tested it in practice and of course it's pretty pretty intense um you know uh, less time between points you know and and you also need to to use the cards and uh, and all the tools that you have uh, really well. Um, but it's uh, all of this is positive and really interesting. Uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to see you know how the fans react to it, how it's gonna go. But um, but yeah, if it can bring new people or younger people into tennis, it's a good thing. Speaking of bringing people into something, I want to touch on the Black Lives Matters movement and and what we've seen over the past yeah. few months. Spoke with Francoise Abanda not too long ago, and she shared some of her own personal experience and her hopes for the future. Mm -hmm. We don't want to see the attention mm -hmm. shift away from this. And so I'm wondering if you can share for those of us outside of the Black community, what are some things we can do to keep this moving forward, to be allies on this uh, important topic? I mean, the first, I mean, having first no taboo to, to speak about it. I mean, I like the fact that we can openly speak about it now, you know, not have any weird feeling about it. And, you know, we know that, you know, we can be, you know, physically different, but, you know, it shouldn't in any way, we should never feel, you know, uh, afraid or, or shy or, or not feel well to talk about it and bring it up because, you know, it's real, it's happening. It's uh, in some cases, it's way worse than others. Uh, I mean, there's extremes and everything. And we saw some big extremes lately uh, in the United States, but as I with my story um, earlier um, this year um, when uh, everything was really intense uh, in, in, uh, in America um, that you know stories are maybe not as brutal but you know they're they're they're, they're smaller but it can lead up to that and uh, and for me the message is just to be careful you know be careful with with the message that you send out be careful when you know in your surroundings people that you see actions that you see going you know you have to we have to be aware of that. We have to react well, and we have to to name um, things that are wrongfully said or wrongfully made. 
And uh, I think the best thing anybody can do is just really being a good, good example. Um, you know, I was talking to TSN yesterday and I was saying the same thing. I mean, for me, uh, I'm also in a place where, okay, more people see me, um, maybe a public person, you know, uh, and, you know, I have fans following me, younger kids, uh, even in my dad's academy. So I want to put out the best example that I can to, yeah, to create this, this, you know, this good movement and just be this good person that people will, will want to follow. And uh, I think if we can all do that um, in our surroundings, uh, like you or me, we have people close to us. And if we can just be a good example to them, that's, I think it's really positive. Very well said. That's my message for everyone. It's as simple as that. Just, just, just be the best person that you can be, you know, and that's it. Well, in terms of being a role model, you're definitely doing that so well for us here in Canada. I know my kids personally love watching you play and are going to enjoy watching you as they grow up. Um, we have uh, a lot of our listeners who are big fans of yours, of course. And if you don't mind, they sent in a few questions yeah. so I can uh, get to a couple here. That's, uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. Rob asks, if you didn't play tennis, what other sport would you have pursued? Um, soccer. I was always, uh, you know, I always liked soccer, just playing. Uh, you know, we as tennis players, sometimes we play just for fitness and for fun. Um, and I was always okay, you know, I was never a great soccer player, but I was always okay. Uh, maybe I would have played that sport. Obviously, growing up in Canada, I mean, I always skated, played a bit of hockey with my friends. So, I mean, uh, I would have had to see, you know, where that would have led. But um, that maybe that could have been also an interest of mine. Uh, but, yeah, I think uh, these are probably the two top sports. Uh, that most likely I would have played outside of tennis. Brian from Toronto points out that on the ATP website, there's a new stat category that measures performance under pressure, and you rank fifth yeah. on the tour behind Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, and Dominic Team, which is some pretty impressive company. Mm. Were you aware of this stat measuring yeah. pressure performance, and, and what does that mean to rank with those guys? Yeah, I actually saw that. Uh, I was aware of that. Uh, basically, I think it's all the points, you know, the breaks, break points that you save and uh, basically being clutch. And um, I just feel like it's always been, I've always had this side where whenever I'm under pressure, uh, I just get the best out of me, you know, and I, I dig deep to get the best out of me, you know, the best serve that I can find. Um, you know, I, I refuse to, to, to kind of let it go. So. I guess, um, yeah, I guess, um, I mean, I'm surprised to be among these guys, but I'm so not surprised to be ranked well um, in that category because I think uh, with what I've shown during matches, how I've been able to to play well in important moments and save break points, uh, um, I should be high in the rankings, but at the same time, it's pretty impressive to be with uh, among the, I mean, the best players of the world in, in, in any category. So, uh, no, it's flattering and it's, it's good to know. One last question here from our listeners. It's Sébastien uh, from your hometown in Montreal. And he would like to know, yes. what's your schedule beyond the U.S. Open? And how do you pace yourself ahead of uh, the French Open in the fall? So, how I'm looking at it, well, I mean, there's what we know, what we control, and what we don't know in, in all of this. And... For now, what I know is that, you know, we have the Cincinnati Masters and the U.S. Open coming up, and uh, I'm really focusing on that. 
and then obviously the plan is to go play you know all the tournaments that are available uh, on the clay before the French Open. But I'm gonna have to see how you know my uh, how the U.S. Open goes, and then after I'll be able to take the best decision in terms of you know pacing myself, uh, getting the good amount time of recovery uh, before the French Open, and the good amount of matches. So I'm gonna see you know once uh, the U.S. Open ends, uh, what I'm gonna do exactly. But obviously the plan is to play right after the the clay um, the clay tournament and uh, and the French Open. And after that, we don't know actually the schedule yet as much as I would love to know. Uh, we don't know. Um, you know, there's uh, rumors of tournaments in, in Europe, of St. Petersburg. And, you know, uh, I know Basel tournament has been canceled. But Vienna is still, you know, looking to, to go up and running. Um, you know, Paris Masters hasn't been canceled yet. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what, uh, what's the schedule after French Open. But. I can't say more than that at this time. At this, uh, at this time. Okay, thanks for sharing. Uh, just a couple more here before I let you go. Uh, it's almost been three years since Denis uh, Shapovalov had that big run in Montreal where he famously was crashing on your couch, which uh, seems hard to believe now. Yes. Yeah. How, how far the two of you have come. How, how has your friendship changed yeah. or, or evolved since that time with what you've both been through? Uh, you're both top 20 players mm-hmm. now on the ATP Tour. And, uh, and how do you motivate each other as you progress? Yeah, I mean, we we created this friendship uh, when when we were 15. I mean, I was 15 to 2015. Uh, we won important t- tournaments together in, in juniors, and we had really you know great memories from the the junior uh, our junior days. And then we've been able. I mean, I caught up to him a little bit after because he took uh, you know he took a few steps ahead of me. You know, getting to this run, for example, in Montreal, which was amazing. And for me, as much as it was on one side frustrating that I wasn't able to play that time because I was hurt and I hurt my, my wrist, it was also a look like he can do it and, um, you know, I'm, I'm right there. And it's motivating to also see a friend uh, doing well. So I think naturally we, we motivate each other because, you know, if one is pushing, the other one doesn't want to be left behind. And then so he pushes again. And, and I think, you know, naturally that's, that's how it works. And uh, this is all very positive. And we, we are aware of that. And, you know, we've always been, you know, good friends outside of the court and really competitive when it comes to the, to, to the court. And I think that's the best way to do it. And uh, we have a lot of respect for each other, which is important. And uh, we've been, you know, even now in ATP Cup this year, we've had, you know, great time, great memories with him and all the other teammates. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, he's on tour and we're on tour at the same time, both top 20 now. Um, we've dreamt both of that. and. Uh, you know, we've come far in a, in, a, in a short time also, which is, you know, crazy. That's, you know, only one of them, but both of us. So I think it's, a, it's all very positive and, and motivating. Well, Canadian tennis fans are, are loving it. And I think the last time we had you on the podcast was around Davis Cup time. And Dennis was in the background trying to get you to laugh, I think, and crack up while you were speaking to us. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. The camaraderie is strong. (laughs) You know, Dennis is actually the only Canadian player in the top 100 we haven't spoken with yet. So if you get a chance to put in a good word for us, we'd we'd appreciate it. (laughs) Okay. My final question. you've You've got everybody in the top 100. Uh, from from Canada, All anyways. The Canadian players in the top hundred. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. He's next. Um, yep. One final question before we wrap up, and it has nothing <laughs> to do with tennis. Uh, but I know you're yes. a you're a hockey fan, and I'm I, also. I, I, I was, 
recovering it, but I was I was thinking that's got to be a, a Habs uh, bug. Absolutely, and uh, I need to get your prediction. I'm from Montreal. You're from Montreal. What's your prediction or thoughts on the Habs versus the Penguins in the playoffs? Well, see, I didn't even know that. I wasn't following as much. I didn't know like that they were actually like you know now playing the playoffs. I thought they had some like um, season games before the playoffs were happening. So okay, they had one game. They played against the Leafs the other Penguins, night. I, w- I won't tell you how that went, but it's the Penguins against the Habs in a, a best. Yeah, of five I saw series. the Leafs game. Yeah, four two. I saw. Yeah. Okay. Best of five. This is the toughest well, question no, I've asked. Now you. that I know I'm going to follow and maybe, you know, yeah, that's the toughest because I'm not never good with predictions, but I got to go for my team as I'm supposed to. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Canadians in five because, you know, uh, they, they're going to have to probably fight through this. Um, you know, Penguins are a tough, tough team. Um, so uh, hopefully they can, you know, uh, get their way through and, and, you know, get the clutch game at the end and win in five, that would be, that would be amazing. I like your confidence. I'm going to try and, and share that same feeling and hope for Habs in, in five. Yeah, um, I'm going to, I'm going to follow that. Felix, uh, merci beaucoup et, et bonne chance cet été. Uh, thank, thank you. you. Merci. Thank merci. you for taking the time to chat with us and share a little with your fans merci. who are listening. Uh, we wish you the best as you return to tennis this summer, of course, at the U.S. Open. Thank you. Et, uh, et finalement, bonne fête. Happy early birthday. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for following. You know, we're excited. You know, the fans aren't there yet, but we're excited that everyone's following the tennis again and supporting us. So thanks, everyone that was watching, and I hope to see you soon. And there you have it, Mike's interview with Felix Auger-Aliassime. And as you mentioned, like, laying down those building blocks in terms of his his ranking, actually, just over the past few years and that, that ascent, I think one of the most impressive aspects, even though he did have a bit of a slump kind of tail end of 2019 if you look at uh how he's handled that ranking once he got inside the top 50 and once he broke inside the top 25 which actually happened uh just before june of 2019 he has remained inside that top 25 from this point till now which i think is really really impressive and just shows you uh, his ability in terms of consistent results uh tournament after tournament finding deep runs when he needs them and uh, the only thing we're really missing is is a grand slam level run and uh, as you said he could be fresher than ever uh, once we get to flushing meadows and consistent results and also consistent results at clutch points of certain matches and i yep. got to to one of our listeners uh, brian who we've uh, chatted with on and off over the years and, and brian submitted a question which i asked to felix about how he feels to be one of the top five on the ATP in pressure situations, which is a new or new-ish stat that's being tracked on the ATP website. And the four guys ahead of him are none other than Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, and then Dominic Team. So you've got the big three and, and the, the top four right now in the game, and then Felix Oje Aliassime. And if that doesn't get you excited about what the potential is for Felix, uh, I mean, for me, that's probably the, the key stat that I look at, raise an eyebrow and say, okay, that, that's got to mean something. Yeah, certainly. And uh, I love that he was aware of that fact, uh, that he was in the mix with that company. It means something something to him. And I think he's he's aware on that level uh, when he is in the match, when he's in the thick of those tough, tough situations, finding a way to raise the level of your game, uh, to dig a little deeper, find a huge serve when you need it, facing a break point down, those crucial moments in matches. And, you know, that's that's the way champions play. 
You look at you look at the way Nadal, Djokovic, Federer play in those clutch, clutch moments when they have to deliver matches on the lines. So for Felix to already, uh, I, I think, kind of have the ice in the veins right now at the age of 19, turning 20, is going to serve him very, very well coming, uh, you know, going to the future. Because especially when you're getting inside, I think, the top 20, top 15, top 10 level, uh, it's just a couple of points here and there that are ultimately deciding tennis matches. Just talking to you right now, I can't wait. I wish I could press fast forward and just get to the first few matches of Cincinnati and the US Open because we're just so lucky. We're just in a spot right now here in Canada where what what a plethora of talent, you know, Felix, Dennis, Bianca, Layla, Annie Fernandez coming up as well. I, I just can't wait to get back to it. And I mean, it's a shame we've lost so much of, of this season, but so much time ahead with these players. And put two of them together, Dennis and Felix. And that was for me, the highlight of my interview was his answer about how that relationship with Felix, uh, that friendship with Felix has grown, changed, evolved over time. And uh, he really gave some great answers from 2017 when Dennis had that great run in Montreal and crashed on Felix's couch, uh, you know, near Jerry Park. And, and, and he said, yeah, Dennis had that first break and that first success. And, and it really pushed him to want to get up there to his level and he's had some results now and they're going back and forth and how they want each other to succeed, but how it also motivates them and that competitive aspect of seeing your friend do so well, but wanting to be there alongside him. And I think we're in for a real treat with these two over the years. And it's great to see that they've maintained that friendship and haven't allowed the competition, you know, to get in the way and, and kind of sour things at, at all. Yeah, I mean, just look at the camaraderie, in fact, last November with all these guys together playing Davis Cup and, and getting Canada through to that final. Obviously, Felix was on the sidelines initially with an injury for, for the bulk of that time. But but you can see everybody is tight-knit with this in squad. Um, I look at some of the matches they played, Felix and Dennis. There's such a high respect level for the two of them. Um, and, you know, each of them have gotten the best of one another uh, in some highly competitive matches that it feels like a dream rivalry in, amongst Canadians. We talk about like Canadian versus American rivalry in tennis. I wouldn't mind a little like rivalry back and forth between a few of our Canadian players as long as we're getting them quarters, semis, final versus uh, where we'd fall victim to, you know, those first or second round matches where Canadians have to play each other um, because because the talent level is so, so high and uh, both of them are, are continuously pushing up the rankings and, and as he said, pushing one another. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm still adapting to seeing those Canadians face each other, perhaps because it's usually a little bit too early for my liking, yes. um, but uh, just so much reason for anticipation and excitement and this isn't just because we're homers and we're, we're based here in Canada and we're, we're very proud Canadians. But um, I, I think, you know, if you look at the top tennis nations in the world and, and the up and coming tennis nations in the world, I can't think of too many other countries where I'd be more excited for what the next 10 years are going to hold than what we've got here in our country right now. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And uh, great to hear him also touch on uh, social issues. You know, we did it in the past when I had a chance to speak with Francois Abanda. Um, but uh, you touching on that with uh, Felix, I think was so important and uh, him passing on the message of, of everybody really just being as strong a person and speaking out as much as possible when you can, I, I think was the right message too. Yeah, and he went in depth on that. And I'm, I'm glad that, that we brought that up because I mean, it's been some time now since uh, we were in the thick of things and, 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 and all that kind of hit and people were posting things and it seemed like it was really in our consciousness. And, 
as with any you know movement, it has the tendency perhaps to have a bit of a, a, a lull amongst people who aren't living it day to day. And and I'm not living it day to day, but I want to be doing as much as I as I can. And so I think it's important that yeah, we keep talking about it. And I'm glad that Felix touched upon it. And uh, and, and we don't want it to fade out of our collective consciousness, especially you know, those of us who are outside of the black community, there's still so much that we can do and, and so much we can learn about. And, and I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, certainly trying, and I know you're trying and here on Matchpoint Canada, we're, we're trying to have guests that, that touch on these themes and, and, and who better to speak about it than Felix. And as you mentioned, Francoise Abanda, who you spoke to not too long ago. So as much as we want to keep it uh, often about the tennis, there's certainly bigger issues at hand and, and we're not going to shy away from those. Yes, and uh, I think you and I both love athletes who do share their voice. If they have sort of uh, strong opinions and are keen to make a difference on, on social issues, that they share that platform. I'm thinking of Naomi Osaka and Coco Goff and players like that who have been outspoken and vocal through this process uh, over the past few months, which uh, is fantastic to see. Uh, I do want to transition to the women's side and the WTA because we have official live tennis that is indeed a tournament this week. And I know a lot of people are so excited so excited actually to see their ATP WTA app light up and have like an actual tournament there where you can follow live scoring if that's if that's what you're into but uh, we do have the Palermo Open it's not a stacked draw but there's plenty of great women's players here Petra Martic is the top seed and we already saw uh, Donna Vekic uh, actually win the first official match and I, I looked into this first official match win on the WTA going back since March the 8th which is a crazy stretch of time that's a long time that's like five months right that's crazy yeah. and uh you know one of our friends uh, Chris Otto who's on Twitter at the fan child he's been on the podcast before he had a, a funny tweet the other day about uh, hey what is this here and he had a picture of a draw what's this called again and it's oh yeah that's a <laughs> that's a main draw that's what that looks like because it's been so long and you know, you could have put almost anybody in that draw, and I think we'd be super excited just to see things getting going and this being a precursor to, to more tennis on both the women's and men's side. And, uh, yeah, there's always that anticipation when you see a blank, untouched draw sheet and you start wondering who's going to move through. And even though players might take it one match at a time, we like to look and predict and, and think about what could happen all the way through. And oh, yeah. uh, so it's just exciting that we're there, and you can just imagine how excited, obviously, that the – the players and their teams are as well to get back to you know their job this is this is what they do right yes yes this is what they live for and uh you know we we, we have plenty of those names that we've talked about in the past a few that we've spoken to and at contivate uh is in the mix here kiki mladenovich one of our players marketa vondrasova of course french open finalist and i think a player that we were excited to see what will she do going forward she had a spell where she was injured and and off the court but making a return a katarina alexandrova player that i recall you know, going back to the Australian Open, I think in late January, she was like my my sleeper pick there. So. I was going to say, she's <laughs> one of those ones that you like to mention often, yeah. Exactly, and uh, Maria Sakari also there. Um, Bianca Andreescu is not there right now. She's not in this draw. And uh, I will just say this, because we don't have all the intel, we don't have all the information. Bianca's camp uh, has been mum on this, but... We're a little unclear on her status, I think, going forward, uh, heading to this summer event, because as far as I know, I haven't seen her name on the entry list for the Western and Southern Open. And given that her name is not on the entry list for the crucial kind of lead-up tournament ahead of the U.S. Open, people are raising an eyebrow wondering, will she play the U.S. Open? And I, I'll just 
I kind of preface that by saying if she is not 100% and I don't claim to know if she is or not, I, I don't think there would be any sense in rushing it whatsoever. Yeah, lessons learned from the past, but it is very disconcerting, you know, the fact that she's not on that Cincy list right now. And is it something small that just needs a little bit more time, you know, that's occurred in practice? Is it related to that knee? Is it something else? We know the injury history there is pretty extensive, unfortunately, with Bianca. So uh, we can't say any more at this time. We're going to have to take a, a wait-and-see approach. But uh, it is troubling, obviously. You'd love to see her name on the list for Cincy uh, and, and, and seeing some chatter on social media from her and her team about how excited they are to get back to it. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll bring more news as we have it. For right now, fingers crossed, and, and whatever the case may be, we hope it's for the long-term best because even if 2020 has to be a, a write-off for her or other players, at least you, you know that you've got that protected kind of ranking in those 18 months that are going to allow you to maintain position and, and not lose out. So, uh, And I think for many play, players, it might not even be injury, but we see the Ash Barties and Nick Kyrgioses who are opting out already of the U.S. Open. And, uh, you know, hopefully in 2021 we can get a, a start to the season that resembles more so what professional sports, professional tennis looks like. And, uh, and we can just resume it from there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as you said, Kyrgios and Ash Barty officially opting out. We did get that entry list for the U.S. Open. And Rafael Nadal and Simona Halep, those names are there for now. We've had so much speculation about whether those two uh, would indeed play, though. And it's very possible with their camps that uh, they could be deciding to make make that choice of whether they're going to go to New York or not uh, much, much closer to the tournament. So that might be still an undecided for both of them. Uh, I, I'm also looking ahead past the U S open into the clay court season um, because we have That's numerous so strange. reports. Sorry, timeout, timeout. That is so strange still to hear you say that looking to the clay court season past the U S open. I hadn't even thought of it that way. This is the first time ever and hopefully the first time and only time, but yes, actually looking to the clay season coming after our U S open that uh, Madrid uh, by all accounts is getting canceled. Uh, so, and, and that is one of our major masters, 1000s and, and premier events for the women as well. So you're losing a significant clay court event there uh, with Madrid not happening. I don't know if that's going to have any impact on the French open. I think they're still very keen to play that slam. Uh, uh, but, but that's kind of a crucial tournament that is, is coming off the calendar, unfortunately. And this was just a decision from organizers saying we, we don't want to, uh, you know, deal with any kind of risk related to COVID-19. And that might be a blessing in some ways for those preparing and trying to peak for the French Open that they don't play too much in between the U.S. Open and the next slam of, of the season. Um, but uh, again, Wait and see what can happen. It's just one week at a time with, with any sport, even the ones that have already resumed. You have no idea. There's no promise, no guarantee that it's going to continue. Although I am quite happy to see my Habs take game one against the Penguins, and I think Felix will be happy about that too as we both have the same prediction, which is Habs in, in five. Uh, of course, we are biased being from Montreal. Um, <laughs> what, one other event that we know isn't happening that we should talk about is the Rogers Cup where qualifying would have started this coming weekend and uh, boy am I ever going to miss that it would have been 13 straight years covering it not to mention all the years I I went to see it before that and just that excitement going into the media desk that first day to get your credentials and then do a quick lap around the course to see who's already on site practicing and and getting that vibe before all the masses rush in and not to mention the draw ceremony and the excitement that that brings with it and uh, I think it's really going to hit me on the weekend when um when I'm, I'm here with, with nothing to do. I've, I've already got the kids at the grandparents. That was already pre, 
pre-done. Oh, pre-done. wow. Okay. So now I've got this time and, and really there's nothing that's going to be able to fill that excitement and that void in my life in, in the same way. So we are big time going to miss the Rogers cup. And, and also for you and me, we had such a great time last year, our first year being the official podcast for tennis Canada and having more access and, and having a kind of, you know, uh, niche in the tournament to, uh, to do our thing, which was so much fun. Yeah, well, uh, as I'm listening to you explain uh, how much you're going to miss it and, and walking around the grounds and talking about your 13th year, I'm, I'm just making the natural comparable that you were like the seasoned veteran in terms of press. And I was more of the rookie, probably the first, second year, kind of tentatively walking around trying to feel my way out in terms of the media room, still too shy to ask a question. And then I felt like, you know, after my third year, which was last year, getting all this face-to-face opportunity with players that finally are a little little more comfortable you're a little more confident asking questions being a bit more vocal doing a few more things um so in in terms of that uh i was very much looking to to go into a fourth year because i was kind of very much used to the environment and i think ready for it but uh, i can tell it's it's incredible how how well uh, organized you are for these tournaments like already planning where your kids are going to be as qualifying starts is pretty impressive i was not that far yeah, ahead on the ball game there when you get to this stage ben you're gonna have to realize that you gotta plan this stuff months in advance to have it all and have backups even just in case something fails with your first wave of coverage um so um you know that's that and and in terms of, you know, becoming a veteran, I, I don't quite feel like I'm there yet. We'll leave that for the, the Tom Tebbets of the world. And, sure. uh, and I will miss seeing him at the event as well, who kind of took me under his wing when I started. But you know what, Ben, we're going to hit our stride in 2021 and make the most of it. And we'll have had so much time to prepare all the things that we want to do and the exciting things we were going to introduce to the podcast at this year's edition. And uh, it's okay. No rush. We've got lots of time ahead of us. Yeah, lots of time ahead of us and uh, lots of tennis still to cover, though we won't actively be on the grounds. We we at least have tournaments coming back. We talked about the Palermo Open today. And uh, again, great opportunity for, for you, Mike, to, to chat with our, our, one of our premier Canadians and Felix Socialis team. Uh, so thanks, listeners, again, for tuning in uh, to another week of Matchpoint Canada. We will talk to you next time.